0: Thank you for downloading this episode of The MacReport Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our subscribers over at themacreport.com. Their support allows us to bring you our coverage of Merrimack Athletics. If you are a subscriber, I thank you. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and gaining access to all of our coverage, head on over to themacreport.com today and sign up. If you don't want to subscribe but still want to support us, please rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Once again, thank you to our subscribers for making our coverage possible. And now, on to this week's episode. Merrimack Men's Hockey back on the road this weekend what else is new right feels like they've been on the road for a couple of months in reality it's only been a couple of weeks but it feels like it's been for a couple of months uh, as Merrimack will hit the road again this weekend UNH on Friday night Maine on Sunday afternoon we're going to talk about that in a little bit with Scott Borg but before we do we'll talk about the weekend series that just happened over, uh, this past weekend against Vermont the results what it kind of means from there look at the hockey standings, or also, Merrimack men's basketball playing as we speak. They are currently in the second half against LIU, over on CBS Sports Network. That game will be final by the time you hear this. Merrimack is up eleven point, up nine points. Excuse me, with about five minutes left in the second half. So we'll keep an eye on that as we are recording. We'll have a story up on that Thursday night, again or last night or whatever it is that you're listening to this. Uh, it'll be Thursday night after the game. Uh, we'll have coverage up there as Merrimack takes on LIU, trying to climb back up in the NEC. Uh, But let's start first talking about the hockey standings and where Merrimack stands after the weekend series in Vermont this past weekend. Warriors are now alone in third place in the hockey standings. That's because UNH, excuse me, Northeastern beat Boston College on Tuesday. So Merrimack, Northeastern, and Boston University are 1, 2, and 3 in the hockey standings. They all have played 17 games, and... uh, BU is currently in first place with 38 points, Northeastern in second place with 37 points. Merrimack in third place with 34 points, two points ahead of Connecticut, who's currently in fourth with 32 points, but Merrimack also has a game in hand on the Huskies, six points ahead of UMass Lowell, who's in fifth place. UMass Lowell has two games in hand on Merrimack. So if Lowell wins those two games in hand, they'll be tied with the Warriors and Merrimack eight points ahead of Providence for sixth place currently. Now, why is that important? Why are we looking at how far ahead Merrimack is from the team that finishes in sixth? Well, that's because the top five teams in hockey is get a bye. Top four teams will host games in the quarterfinals, So all you got to do is win one home game to get to the TD Garden in the, in the league semifinals. But the top five get a bye. Six versus eleven, seven versus ten, and eight versus nine are the first round matchup. So if Merrimack can stay in the top five, they're guaranteed a bye. If Merrimack can stay in the top four, they're guaranteed a bye, and then a home playoff game before and they only, only have to win one. They got rid of the three game series in Hockey East. So you'd only have to win one, and then you'd be on to the TD Garden in the in the, the hockey semifinals uh in the middle of March. So that's what we're keeping an eye on. Really, it's it's can they finish in the top five? That's number one. And if they can finish in the top five, can they finish in the top four? That's really what you're striving for is, is the top four. And like I said, right now the Warriors are alone in third place. They are uh, six points up on a bye and eight points up on a, first round, a, a home game in the, in the hockey's quarterfinals. UMass Lowell has those two games at hand. Merrimack hasn't played Lowell yet. They'll play them in a couple of weeks. That series could go a long way in determining who, you know, because you could end up in a situation where Merrimack's four and Lowell's five, or vice versa. That Lowell series could actually determine who's home if these teams meet in the playoffs. We'll have to see. But anyway, uh, looking ahead, it's UNH this weekend and then Maine. UNH is currently uh, in last in hockey. So they have nine points, but they've played well and they played better. In the second half of the season, we'll get to them in a second. Maine playing really well, ironically enough, since they were swept by Merrimack back in October, they're currently eighth in the league, uh, five seven one and one overall in league play, an eleven twelve and two uh, on the season, so just one game under five hundred for Maine. They'll play on Friday night as well. Let's take a look first, though, back at the weekend series against Vermont. Merrimack took four out of six points there against the Catamounts. I, I think most people, most Merrimack fans would have looked at the Vermont series and said hey you need six points. And going into it, you know, I thought the same. Uh you could have used it. You don't we're not at the point where you can say well they need this. There's too much hockey left for them to actually need anything. We're not at the point where we can say okay, well they need they need to split here to stay alive or they need to sweep here to stay alive like no, they're fine. They're in third place. Uh, so they don't need anything. They could they they could have used six points. <laughs> uh and the fact that they only ended up with 4 out of 6 may mean that they need to steal some points, you know, from other teams the rest of the way, but the reality is, no matter how poorly the second half has gone so far, they're alone in third place. And they still very much control their own destiny in that regard because they still play Boston University again. They don't play Northeastern, but they still play Boston University again. And they're alone in third place. I think if you told anybody, I don't care who you are, if you're a Merrimack fan and I told you back in September, hey, on February 2nd, this team's going to be alone in third place, six points up on a bye, uh, excuse me, eight points up on a bye, and they would have a six-point cushion for a a home game in the hockey's quarterfinals. Would you have taken it? Of course you would have. And if you didn't, I would have told you you were ridiculous for not, for not taking that. Because, yeah, that, that puts you in a really good position. And they're in a really good position. Now, did they deserve more than six points last week against Vermont? Yeah, probably. Anyone who's followed my site for a while and has followed my stuff knows that I believe goals are relatively random events. And I know that's a very analytical thing to say, and it upsets some people. But it's the truth. I mean, you could play really, really well and lose a game two to one. Look at look at want to know a perfect example? Look at Providence last weekend. Providence last weekend against Maine on the Saturday game, lost the game three to nothing. They outshot Maine in that game fifty-two to twenty-one. I watched this game earlier this week because I wanted to get a look at Maine because Merrimack plays them on Sunday. Uh, Providence dominated this game. Completely dominated this game, lost the game three to nothing. Providence had 77 shot attempts and 46 shots on goal at even strength. Shots on goal at even strength were 46 to 18. This ridiculous. How much Providence controlled this game? You run into a really good goaltender in Victor Osman. He makes 52 saves. You lose the game three to nothing. Doesn't mean the Providence played poorly. They didn't. They outplayed Maine. But that's what I mean when I say goals can be relatively random events. You can play really well and lose, and you can play really crappy and win. There's an element of randomness when it comes to when it comes to hockey, where that can happen every once in a while. So for me, I think if you're a, if you're a hockey team, one of the things you want to try to control is how well you play, especially at five on five. So how do you do that? You want to create more scoring opportunities than the opponent. That's really what it comes down to. You're playing the law of averages. Generally speaking, if you create more scoring opportunities than your opponent, you will score more goals. Therefore, you will win more games. That's really the con. That's the con- the concept. That's the game. And again, like not to sound too analytical here, but uh, you remember the, the movie Moneyball. If you've seen it, the the famous scene where um, I forget the character's name, but you know he's he's telling the guy who plays Billy Bean. You're not trying to buy wins when you're out there in free agency trying to sign baseball players. You're trying to buy runs because you need runs to win games. It's the same thing in hockey. You need scoring chances to score goals. <laughs> That's how it works. That's what you need. So, you know, I thought that Merrimack played really well in that regard, especially on Friday. On Friday, they, they controlled that game. Vermont did not have a five-on-five scoring chance in the game on Friday until well into the second period. They had a a 2-1 lead at the end of the first because they scored a power play goal and a shorthanded goal. But at 5-on-5, they didn't have a scoring chance until late in the second period of that game. Now, the game was a little bit more even on on Saturday. You give Vermont some credit for the way that they were able to bounce back. But I still thought Merrimack played well in that game on Saturday night. They didn't get the result that they wanted. It's a 3-on-3 overtime goal. The way it is, in the, the league points are important, but from a pairwise perspective, it's only a little bit more than a tie, to be honest with you. But I thought Merrimack played really well in the third period of that game. I thought they generated a lot of scoring opportunities. And overall, I thought they played a really good game. They got scored on an overtime. They got scored on an overtime. Not a big deal. Not the end of the world. But again, like you got to give Vermont credit. They played better on Saturday night. They made the play to get the overtime goal, but. I'm not panicking here and saying that Merrimack played poorly last weekend. I don't think that they did. Yeah, they didn't get the six points that they wanted, but I don't think that they played poorly. And this is, you know, a few games in a row now where I don't think they've played poorly. They just happen to not win games. They lost the game at Northeastern one nothing, back on the 21st. I thought they played really well in that game. Again, there's an element of randomness to this, right? They outshot Northeastern 37-24. to They created more scoring chances. They gave up a goal late. Same thing on Saturday. Thought they played pretty well. I actually thought they played better against Northeastern than they did against Vermont. But three games in a row where they've played pretty well, all on the road. Back at the beginning of the semester, I didn't think they played very well at all. And, and we've we've talked about that. We've documented that. The Dartmouth game, they they won that game. I didn't think they played well in that overtime win over Dartmouth. They definitely did not play well in the 6-1 loss to Providence, the 3-3 tie to Yale, or the 6-2 loss to Brown, or the 8-3 loss to Providence. Those were all really bad games. Really bad games. But I think things turned around on the 14th of January when they beat Providence 3-0. And even the following week, when they lost to Northeastern 5-1, it's a lopsided score, but as a team overall, I wouldn't say that they necessarily played poorly. I don't think that that game was reflective of the score. They should have lost the game. They didn't defend very well. You know, there were some goals there that I'm sure Hugo Olas would have wanted back. There's also plenty of goals there that I think just the, the team, from a D-zone standpoint, would have wanted back. But it didn't feel like that game was really a 5-1 to game. They didn't feel like they were run out of the building that night. The way that I thought they... Really didn't look very well at all uh, against against Providence the week before. Honestly, to me, the worst loss that they've had might have been the Brown game. <laughs> to be honest with you, but anyway, uh, since then, since that Providence, they beat Providence three to nothing after they lost eight three. They didn't play well against Northeastern, lost a game five to one. Then I thought they played well against Northeastern the next night, just didn't happen to win. Thought they played really well against Providence on the first night. Last weekend, got a win. And then lost in overtime to uh, to Vermont the following night in a game where I thought they played you know well enough to win they just didn't get the win. But really, overall, we're talking about four out of the last five games where I, I think they've played better hockey. I think they've looked more like the team that we saw in the first half of the year. And they're not going to they're not going to win thirteen out of seventeen games. That does, just because they're playing as well as they played in the beginning of the year doesn't mean that they're going to go thirteen and four over a 17-game stretch. That's not how it works. There's ebbs and flows to a season. There's ups and downs. It's a roller coaster. And it's how do teams manage that. The teams that manage that the best are the ones that generally have the most success. But, you know, again, I I don't think I'm not panicking the way that I was back at the beginning of January when you're coming out of the Dartmouth tournament having not played well and then tied Yale, who's just not very good at all, and, and lost to Brown. And and I can even excuse the two goals against Brown because again I think Matthew Caron's a really good goalie, but giving up six, ugh, giving up six to a team that's not really that good, that's the concerning part. Giving up even giving up three goals to a Yale team that that team just they stink. Like I'm sorry, they 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 can't score goals. They have a lot of players on that team that just they there's I think the leading scorer on their team had under 30 points going into that series. I don't know where they're at now, but I'm talking about career career stats had under 30 points. I was concerned after those games. But I do think, even though they haven't necessarily gotten all of the results back yet, they've gotten back on track with some of these games more recently. And look, and let's also not be naive. There's games in the first half that we could look back on that Merrimack won and necessarily maybe didn't play well, but still found a way to win the game. And that's where... A lot of these things, I think, over the course of a season tend to even out. I think they do. I think they tend to even out over the course of a season. The games where you play well and and don't win and the games where you don't play well and you do win there's just there's a there's ups and downs to it, but I think over time they they tend to level themselves out and they tend to even themselves out. but important points this weekend against teams that you know even if they even if Merrimack plays well in in, in these two games this weekend i mean let's say there's a worst case scenario let's say they get swept let's say northeast uh, new hampshire wins on friday Maine wins on sunday we're having a much different conversation next week from a standings perspective and from a points perspective even if they played well and they didn't get results at some point you need results in order to climb in the standings you will put yourself in a difficult position from a standing standpoint and from a pairwise standpoint but i'm Not necessarily looking at that just yet, just removing the the consequences of the standings and the pairwise. How are they playing? Just looking at the team. How are they playing? Are they getting back on track? Are they becoming more of the team that we saw in the first half of the year? I think there are a lot of signs over the last two weeks that they are becoming more of the team we saw in the first half of the year. And less of the team that we saw... Right at the end of the de- of December into the beginning of January, I think there's there's been a progression forward that's promising And results. You know, wins and losses should or, or you know wins should become the result of of that better play. Because at some point, yes, you do need to win games. I'm not naive. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh well, they lost but they played well, so everything's all everything's all good. No, no. What I'm suggesting though is that. If you play well, more often than not, you will win games. That's kind of how it works. So I was encouraged by what I saw last weekend, even though they didn't pick up the six points. And this is a tough stretch of games on the road, too. I don't care what anybody says. I'm sorry. Two games at Vermont, then a game at New Hampshire, and a game at Maine. You get your two longest hockey's road trips of the season on back-to-back weekends in the middle of a five-game road trip. I mean, come on, that that's a hard schedule, and they're all league games too. Like, I, I, I'm not just saying this because it's Merrimack. I'd be telling you this if it was another team too. I don't think any team, any team, should have a schedule like this in the stretch drive of the season, in the playoff. You know, we're, we're in a playoff push here across the league. Teams are trying to jockey for position in the hockey standings, and you get a team playing five straight games in the road and having to go to Vermont and to Maine on back-to-back weekends as part of that travel. Ugh. I'm sorry. That's just that's not a that's not a good job by the league to to schedule these games. You got to figure out a better way to do it. You know, move that main game to earlier in the year or something. You know, I don't know what, maybe you play it on a weeknight. Maybe you play it up at Maine on a, on a Wednesday or something. I don't know. Figure something out. But having that type of travel on back-to-back weekends it's your two longest trips. I just don't think it's. I think the league should have done a better job to try to avoid putting a team in that position. I don't know if it makes a difference. I really don't. I don't know if it matters. I just think, if nothing else, it's bad optics to be putting a team through that at this point in the season when everybody's in a playoff run. So, uh, from a pairwise standpoint, Merrimack, let's see where they're up to right now. The Warriors are up to 21 in the pairwise. I think they were lower than that going into the Vermont series. I'd have to go back and look. I don't exactly remember. But 21 in the Parawise this week. They are one, two, three, four, five, it's About six p- spots out of an at-large bid for the tournament for the time being. They're going to have to get some wins together in order to climb back into it now. If you're in the 20s at this point in the year, it's going to take some work. But, you know, Merrimack's one of the teams that has the ability to, I think, still climb because of the fact that they have two games left with Boston University. I think that'll help a lot. Uh, you know, really though, let's for them to be back in an at-large position when the hockey's playoffs start. I think if we're being realistic, they probably have to go two and zero this weekend, split with BU at the very least. Maybe even sweep BU to be honest with you. Because you're going to need you're going to need wins against Boston University in order to climb up the the rankings because it's the only team that they're going to play that's ahead of them. New Hampshire, Maine, Lowell, and Vermont are all behind Merrimack in the pairwise, so they're probably going to have to sweep BU in order to get there before the playoffs. But of course, those playoff games are still going to count as well. Now, what's going to be interesting too from a hockey standpoint is the fact that they they gave away the third game. They don't have that third game anymore. Or the best of – excuse me, the second game, the best of three series. We're going to have to play around with this stuff. But I wonder, I wonder where, where Hockey East is going to have so many teams on the bubble. If getting rid of the best of three series, if that's going to cost a team an NCAA tournament spot. I think it could. I think it could. I think we could be sitting here looking at a Hockey East team that's, you know, 16th in the pairwise. They finish one spot out of a, that large bid. And we're sitting here going, geez, you know what? They made the semifinals at the Garden, too. They only had to win one quarterfinal game. Had they just had they had a second game that they were able to win in the quarterfinals, they would have been in. I think it could make a difference because they have so many teams in the bubble. It's kind of crazy, but anyway, uh, Merrimack and, and UNH will kick off the weekend festivities for the Warriors on Friday night. Uh, looks like Mike Brown could be back for this weekend's game. Scott Bork talked about that with us. Mac Welcher looks like he will be out uh no word yet on what they will do from a goaltending perspective I do think if it were me uh, I had someone ask me this earlier today on Twitter uh if it were me I'd probably go with with Zachary Borgiel I just think he's played better over the last couple of weeks so you gotta ride the guy that's playing well I think you go with Borgiel on Friday and if he plays well you start him on Sunday that that's what I would do um but you know, I also haven't been sitting at practice every day this week watching our practice has gone. So <laughs> it's hard for me to, to sit there and make that decision based upon, you know, just I'm just basing it based on what we saw in the games a week ago. But anyway, uh, let's get to talking about this weekend, last weekend, and everything else with the head coach of the Warriors, Scott Borg. All right, here with head coach Scott Borg. Coach, uh, coming off of the last weekend's split, Up at Vermont. Well, not a a, a real split. You guys get the extra point on on in overtime on Saturday as well. So you come out of it with more than just the three league points. But looking back uh, at the video this past week, what were some of your takeaways from that weekend series up at UVM?
1: Yeah, I was um, I was pleased to get four points. You know, I I, we wanted six. Obviously, I thought we played really well on Friday. Um, We controlled that game. Uh, On Saturday, you know, it was much more of a 50-50 game. Uh, We were playing uphill for, you know, the majority of it. Obviously, they got that early power play goal that, you know, gave them a little bit of momentum. Um, You know, but I I liked the the fight in our team. I liked that, we, you know, we stayed with it. And even though we were getting chances and not finishing, we were able to stay involved at the net front, get some opportunities, so we finally did get the chance. Um, you know, we didn't have a power play goal per se, but I thought our power play uh, the whole weekend created some very good chances. Um and that's all you can hope for, and then eventually one of those will go in. But I-, I walked away disappointed in the two points we lost, uh, just as our team was. Um, but fairly pleased with the way we played and uh, thought we could have had a different fate. Um, but we got to move on and get on to the next one.
0: Yeah, you know, in, in retrospect, too, I thought it was a weekend where – Especially on Saturday, uh, where where they had control of of some portions of that game. It was probably more of a 50-50 game than it was on Friday. I agree. I thought you guys controlled the play on Friday. But as the game was a little more of a 50-50 game from kind of a possession standpoint on Saturday, you know, it just felt like that's the type of game where maybe uh, Mac Welsher makes a play and and something good happens. You know, he, he lays the body on the wall, turns the puck over. There's some sort of high-energy play that he can make to kind of just kind of turn the momentum a little bit. Uh, how much have you missed him from the lineup, and, and when do you think he will be back? Because obviously he was out last weekend.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we missed Mac a lot. I mean, you know what he brings uh every day and and he's so consistent with that that um, you know other guys you know who might have that wane a little bit at times he just never has it wane. You know, his his energy level and his enthusiasm on the rink uh is high end and he brings something to us every day and you know they had two power play goals in the weekend which you know he's one of our best penalty killers. He's, he clearly would have been uh, on the ice, maybe for one of them, uh, maybe been able to hold it up, but uh, you know, everybody's dealing with those things at the same time too. I, recognize that have been out, you know, Christian Felton, um, has been in and out, you know, for a long, but, um, you know, and I, I think other teams are dealing with the same stuff. It just, uh, obviously when you're, when you're rolling, they will anyone get, uh, nicked up, but, uh, Mac, Mac will be back soon. He will not be back this weekend. um, but I think that's partially because we have, um, you know, we have a weekend off after this weekend. So instead of playing injured, uh, which is what he'd be doing, uh, we can give him these two weeks, and we can have a healthy Mac the rest of the season. I think that's the smartest way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another guy, of course, you've been without too over the last couple of weeks. I think he got hurt in the northeastern series, uh, was or maybe it was maybe the week before. But but Mike Brown, a, a big guy, a big part of your defense. Uh, also has been out the last couple of weeks. Any update on him?
1: Yes, he has uh, actually gotten into a solid collar today. Um, I think he's more of a game-town decision. I'm going to find out in the morning uh, from Tarek, you know, what his status was coming out of practice today. Um, but I, I feel like he's going to play this weekend. Uh, he's been out for a while. He's, I think this was his fourth week that he's been out. Um, and, you know, he's a valuable, you know, piece of that back end and getting him back will uh really solidify our defensive core and start to get our groups back together you know we had a really good first half with you know brownie and you know zach bookman and and felton with demon and uh it really was working well and you know unfortunately those things had to get mixed around just because of the two injuries but uh, i think we'll see brownie back this weekend and uh, hopefully ready to go the rest of the way
0: uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you about him on Saturday, but one of the guys, and, and we've talked about him a lot, but I thought Alex Jeffries had one of his better weekends this past weekend against Vermont. It just seemed like any time you needed a play, whether it was a goal, whether it was setting up a goal, whether it was just maybe a play where Vermont had a little bit of possession on Saturday, and you know he would pick up the puck in the neutral zone and, and carry it. Into the offensive zone with possession and allow you guys to establish possession. Just thought he had a, a really, really good weekend. Uh, what did you see from him this past weekend?
1: Well, you know what? Right now, um, he's really playing the game the right way. Uh, he's playing it you know in all three zones. He's also, um, you know, he's hungry for the puck. He wants the puck, and and that's that's important, you know, especially in those kind of games and they're tight games and they're, they're stacking the blue line with multiple players at times, five guys, you know, you need to, you need to attack it. And I thought he did that. Um, and did a good job of that. And, you know, um, his goal on Saturday, which, you know, ostensibly was a power play goal, but, uh, was just him ripping a puck. And, and that's something Alex can really shoot a puck, but he does not always shoot enough. Uh, so that was really good that, you know, he shot that puck and obviously it went in, but, Hopefully that will keep keep him shooting pucks. and he puts us in a good position when he does. He usually follows it, and if it doesn't go in, it's going to create a rebound or a second chance for him or a line mate. And you know that's been that's been really good.
0: You guys finish up the road trip this weekend uh, at New Hampshire Friday night at Maine on Sunday. Kind of a weird weekend, just the way the setup is with the day off in between and some travel. Uh, What's the plan look like for attacking? that travel. you get got the Friday night game and then the Sunday afternoon game. So uh, in terms of what the weekend looks like from a travel standpoint, when are you guys heading up to Maine? You can, I assume you'll be able to practice up there uh, if you do a head up early.
1: Yeah, we're going to... Originally, we were going to go up and back. When the game was at 7 o'clock on Sunday night, uh, and that's what I would have preferred. You know, Come up and back, spend your own you know, the night in your own bed. Uh, we've been on the road an awful lot recently. Um, and I think the hotel, which the guys enjoyed at the beginning of the year, I think we're getting a bit tired of it. Um, so, you know, I, that was my original idea to go up and back. Then they moved the game to 2 o'clock on Sunday, um, which just kind of forced our hands. So we're going to play at UNH tomorrow uh, and then get, get on the bus and head right up to Orno after the game. And then, um, you know, we should be in good shape as far as you know, getting up there, getting some rest, and then having a Saturday practice and then lead, lead us into Sunday.
0: Uh, what do you see from UNH, and, and we'll kind of talk about both teams, but first with UNH, we have them first on Friday. Uh, play them at the beginning of the year. Do they look any different than they looked at the beginning of the year? I know they've played well here over the last month or so.
1: Yeah, much different, you know, actually. And, and as I think you and I have talked about before, that, that game at uh, the beginning of the year was an outlier. You know, obviously there was a ton of emotion. It was a game that both teams honored Josh. You know, and, and and the thing that uh, was interesting for that, like everybody on our team, everybody at Merrimack was uh, connected to Josh and was you know honoring him for all the right reasons. And it was a tough, that was a tough thing to put on the UNH players. You know that ninety nine actually, you know, everyone except for Connor Lovett didn't probably even know Josh, and so they were part of something that they you know didn't choose to be part of, just happened to be the game that day. Um, and I thought it was for us. It was an emotional lift for them. It was a distraction, um, and you know we got off and got running in that game pretty early. But uh, what I see now, watch them against the last two Lowell games. I thought they played really well. Uh, the UMass game, they played really well. Um, is that they they're playing with a lot more confidence. They're playing with a lot more pace. Uh, they're really moving pucks through the neutral zone well right now and, and trying to play faster. Uh, in the past, I think they played a little bit slower and they overhandled pucks a little bit in the back end and gave you a chance maybe to forecheck on not only once, but maybe twice. Uh, and they're not doing that at all right now. They're playing at a good pace. They're getting good goaltending. Um, it's going to be difficult. You know, It's going to be a grind, and, and it's going to be a hard game for us to, you know, to get. And we just have to go out and you know, try to outwork them and see if that can give us a good result. We're hoping for it.
0: And then you got a a main team on Sunday where I I think back to that series in the middle of November. uh, You guys swept Maine at home, but you had said to me, I don't know if it was the Friday or the Saturday game, you'd said something to the effect of, like, that team works so hard, they're going to win a lot of games. Like, it's coming. They're going to win a lot of games. And uh, they're 9-4-1 since that weekend against you guys back in the middle of November over their last 14 games. They have won a lot of games. Uh, What do you see from them? Kind of looking at some of their tape. Obviously, they're coming off a sweep of Providence last weekend.
1: Well, first and foremost, what you notice is their goaltending. Like, you know, uh, I think it's Victor Osman was incredible against Providence. Uh, you know, he really, really stood out of his head. Now, they're doing a great job around him, uh, not allowing um, second chances, not allowing, you know, guys to get to that, even the screen them. They're, they're really protecting the pocket well. Uh, and they're playing just like they did we saw them then. Like, they're playing really hard. So they're getting opportunities to are getting power plays Their power plays good. Um, no, they're, they're, they're on a roll as much as any team in our league other than maybe BU. Um, but they're, they're on a roll. I, 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 right now they're playing just as well as anyone else in the league and, and maybe better than most. So that will be a very physical game. I'm sure uh, we're going to have to answer the bell. I'm sure the environment will be crazy. Um, and we're just going to have to, you know, keep our poise and, Play through any of the challenges that may be presented, and they'll try to get different points, so it will be. It's going to be a tough weekend on the road, but I think um, you know, as we talked about earlier, uh, we've been on the road for a while, and I think our guys are used to the different atmospheres and the different challenges. Uh, we just got to go out and get some points this weekend.
0: Uh, obviously, I wonder how the competition was at practice this week, but with Zach going in and playing so well on Friday, and then going in and playing pretty well on Saturday too. Uh, what has that done to, to the potential rotation from your goaltender standpoint? Has it even been decided yet? or uh, I guess just how, is that, how has that been throughout the course of the week, trying to determine that? Because now you've gone from kind of a rotation where maybe there's some decisions to make there.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. I think that uh, we're a better team when, when um, Hugo and Zach are both playing. I just think that uh, you take the pressure off of a goalie when he knows he's only got one of the two games that weekend. Every goalie wants both, but at the same time, I think they get into a rhythm. Um, they have one thing they're focused on. They can kind of relax after that a little bit. Um, I think that's a real positive. We're not in a position right now where we can go to a true rotation. We have to make it competitive, and we have to compete for it during the week. And, you know, we're undecided right now on, on uh, tomorrow. We've got to get gather some stuff from practice today. Um, Zach had a really good week of practice. I thought Hugo is starting to come. You know, Hugo would be the first to tell you he's trying to find his game, and um, I think he's very close to finding it. And and let's be honest, you know the two the two goals that went in on Saturday. You know, first one not his fault remotely. Uh, second one, I, I know he wanted back. I know he wished he had it back, but uh, those are the only two shots on net. So that goalie pull was as much about our team's uh, mindset than it was, you know, Hugo. Um, If we were in the same mindset we were in November um, and early December, you know, we probably would have let him just figure that game out and get it, you know, get his game to where it needed to be for us to be successful that night. Uh, But I don't think our team's in that place right now. And we're trying to get back to it. And we had to make the the early pull just to kind of jolt the team and, and have us uh, play better the rest of the way. And I thought it worked. Um and obviously I thought Boors was really good on Saturday. Um, you know, again the, the two goals that beat him, you know, you couldn't really blame him on either one. You know, the first one power play basically got the puck to the crease and then jammed it in. Uh and then the second one on the three on three, you know, we gave up a, a really good shooting lane and you know put him you know in a really difficult spot.
0: It feels like there's been a shift there too with goaltending across the board I don't know when it started uh obviously like UMass had Matt Murray and and A Lindbergh and they both were going back and forth when when they were playing really well but like you look around the country now and there's so many teams that are that are using two goaltenders pretty regularly like I know St. Cloud does it and they're right up near the top of the pairwise I think there's other teams that do it as well so uh, not every team but like there's a lot of teams that have two really good goaltenders and uh it it probably gives you some insurance too I mean one of the most important positions on the ice, obviously. Uh, so if if a guy gets hurt or gets nicked up, you can go with a guy a couple of games in a row. It just seems like there's uh, more and more teams that are that are doing what you guys have done this year and have utilized both goaltenders instead of just kind of riding one over the course of an entire season.
1: Yeah, I I think I don't know if it's a shift. Maybe they just you know, there's a lot of good goalies in the country now. I mean, in, in other countries, right? Um, there are only you know, 62 programs or 61 programs. So it's, um, it's just too many good goalies that you're not going to have a team. For most pretty good teams and any team in our league is going to have two capable goalies. They just are. And, you know, how you decide to use them, obviously, can dictate a lot of what goes on in your season. But, you know, it is, you know, you said one of the most important positions, uh, other than the guy with the stripes, it's the most important position on the rink. And <laughs> we want... Uh, you know, we, we want a goalie who's fresh. We hope that we have goaltending, which we do right now. Different challenges for our opponent, um, and that can you know that can shift from one game to the next. Um, so we're we I'm hopeful that we get back to that point. Um, I'm undecided what we're going to do this weekend, but you know I, I'm I'm hopeful we can get back to that point. So I do think we're a better team when both guys get a chance to play.
0: Yeah, I just think too, even if you look at the NHL level and stuff like that, and granted you know most of the time in college you're only playing two games a week but it's almost a guarantee in the NHL if a team plays back to back games they're splitting their goaltenders like it's i would imagine it's very rare that an NHL team would start the same goalie both ends of a back to back it's just it doesn't usually happen probably because you know it's taxing i would imagine there's not a lot of rest there's no break you know you're in the net the whole game really for the most part so uh even at the pro level it seems like more and more Way more than it used to, maybe 10 or 15 years ago. 10 or 15 years ago, I feel like, both in college and at the pro level, I mean, there were guys, and it still happens every once in a while, but there were guys, most of the time, I feel like, at the college level where you had your starter, if you played 34 games, he played 34 games, and that was, <laughs> and that was the end of it. Uh, teams that you know would have one goalie play the, every minute of the entire season, it just seems like that's becoming less and less of a thing, probably because of the way the game is now. Like, it's, it's got to be hard. Especially in, in a situation where you play so many back-to-backs,
1: yeah, I, I, I agree. And you know, he's a, it's the one person on the rink that doesn't get a you know get to sit in the bench for you know two minutes in between shifts. So, and, and the intensity level on their mistakes is so much higher than it is on someone else's mistake on the rink. You know, so I I think it's uh, it's definitely something we're excited about in our own situation. Um, and I think it, it is you know I think any team in – in the country right now, maybe the exception of northeastern needs to have two guys that can that play. And, and I'm not—I don't know anything about northeastern's backup goaltender because he hasn't played. But um, you know, I think that you know most of the teams in our league have two guys that they feel comfortable they could go with, and you know we certainly do as well.
0: All right, Coach, well, good luck this weekend, and uh, then the bye week coming up after this. Everyone's got the bye, so you guys will have the bye next week, and maybe coming at a good time. At the, at the end of a five-game road trip, a weekend off might not be the worst thing in the world.
1: No, I think it's going to be a good thing, uh, frankly. I, I think, um, you know, I don't think we're tired physically at all, um, but, you know, it's a grind. Hockey is a grind, And, you know, it's funny how it didn't feel that way when we were going through the November and December that we had because we were playing very well and we were getting fortunate. We were getting unbelievable goaltending and we were winning games, and um, that's obviously energizing. Uh, But now you're in kind of the playoff stretch, and these games are hard and they're going to be a grind, and everybody's fighting for something, whether they're fighting fighting to get a bye or fighting to get in the – A home ice position, the first round, or whatever it might be, everybody's scrambling and fighting. So these will be these two games, and the rest of the way are going to be really hard games, but a lot of fun because this is what this is what you play college hockey for. So I'm excited to see what we bring and uh, looking forward to the competition.
0: All right, good luck this weekend. Thanks, Mike. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Mac Report Podcast. Thanks again to Scott Bork for taking some time to join us. Uh, Also. I told you earlier we were watching that Merrimack-LIU game as uh, we were recording this. Merrimack does come away with a 76-59 win over LIU on CBS Sports Network. Jordan Miner led the way for the Warriors, 25 points, 13 rebounds. Javon Bennett had 10 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. Miner also had 7 assists. Uh, Ziggy Reed with 19 points and 5 rebounds in the game as well. So the Warriors get another win in the NEC. They're going to play St. Francis on Saturday at home. So, a big weekend of sports all around. Merrimack hockey at UNH on Friday night. Merrimack men's basketball at home against St. Francis in a really important NEC matchup on Saturday, and then Sunday afternoon Merrimack up at Maine in another critical hockey East game. So, thanks again to Scott Borg for joining us this week. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.